Surely you recall how I saved Christmas. Ta -ta -ta -ta. No leading the witness. Please, Mama, tell the story. Oh, all right. Ah, now we will hear what really happened. to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy and I'm here with my friend and co-host Brie. Hello, hello. And we are here today to cap off the Christmas season and the end of our second season of this podcast by taking a look at Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. We did it. We, we made it. We, this will this we made it through 2021 we did we we've got two we whole it. seasons of the podcast now oh my god who'd have thought we'd have come come this far whoa i we're, we're starting <laughs> strong so i was trying to i was trying to think of a joke and i got nothing so strap in folks that's this is where i'm at today <laughs> This is what it's the end of the year. It's the end of the the year. <laughs> so, I mean, we could we could start things off by giving a bit of history uh, to this one. So, this is of course brought to us by Walt the Disney and Walt the Disney. Disney? Walt, <laughs> Walt Walter the, the Disney. Walt, that's his his formal title. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is brought to us by Walt Disney, uh, and it is, of course, the sequel to the much-beloved Beauty and the Beast, which, uh, <sighs> this is the 30th anniversary of Beauty oh, wow. and the Beast, which is, that's a big reason why I wanted to cover this one ah, this year. Ah, yes. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the really good movie that turned 30 this year. We're going to talk about this one yeah. instead. No, I, why? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why not? Why not make a? Why not make ourselves suffer oh. by watching this terrible movie? We but just, um, we just suffered through Nutcracker November, and now you're subjecting me to this. I, you know what? If it helps, I, I feel like this movie was kind of karma for me making you watch the <laughs> Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah, you're not a fan of this one, Christy. Oh fuck no! Not I a, I don't a big fan. I, I don't know if I was just in a salty mood when I watched this because I I've seen it before, and I don't remember feeling as cranky about it oh, no. than I did this last viewing. But um, I you know I'm a huge fan of the original Beauty and the Beast. It is a beautifully animated film. Wonderful characters. It's got a perfectly crafted story. The music, everything about it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast is a fantastic movie. Absolutely wonderful movie. And then you watch this film and <laughs> the the best way I could put it is that I feel like I feel like I'm a parent who just caught their kid cheating on their math test. Oh no. Where I'm like, <laughs> why why would you do this? You're so much smarter than this. You're so much better than this. I'm just I'm I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. 
Yeah. It's just. uh, Yeah. Not fun. Um, This is so we we haven't really covered many Disney sequels yet. No. Well, we we did uh, Cinderella 3, which was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, that one is great. So this is a this is our first Disney animated sequel that I feel really encapsulates the stereotypes around the Disney animated sequels. Yeah. The, the idea of them being the cheap, shallow cash-ins. Mm-hmm. You know. This film is very kid-oriented. The expressions, the writing it's just shallow is the best way to describe it it is so shallow that i kind of feel like it's just it's insulting to the original film yeah yeah i can they definitely especially in the characterization of of uh bell and and the beast Mm -hmm. oof oof it's it's they have dumbed them down for, I guess, a a younger child's audience. Like they have just yeah. taken taken all nuance to those characters and t- dialed that down to zero. Yeah, and it is just, you know, the the original Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. Yeah, and that is not something that would have happened had the original film not had heart, depth, you know, a beautiful animation, again, the beautiful music. It, so it is just, it's, again, it's so frustrating to yeah. have a film that was so good that it was something that could be enjoyed by adults and children, that it was so, so lauded and celebrated. And then you have... The Enchanted Christmas. <laughs> and then you have this. Yeah. And just is, imagine, I hope you can hear the disdain. It's just not, <laughs> it's just a bad movie. It's just yeah, not good. Yeah, like, even, I feel like even as a kid, I feel like this would probably be disappointing. I, it depends on how young I was. Did you did you see this one as a kid? No. But I guess, because I mean, I would have been 11 when Beauty and the Beast came out. When did this come out? What year was this? So this was 1997. Wait. It's, so Beauty, the original Beauty and the Beast was... Uh, 1991. Oh, I was like, I thought, okay, so I would have been nine when this came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't do math. (laughs) That's, that's okay, because math just faces, makes us have to recognize that we are old as shit. Oh, no. We don't, we don't need math. Just get that out of here. Numbers? Fuck that. Fuck that. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't actually recall ever having seen this as a kid. I think, I don't think I saw a lot of the Disney sequels. Um, no. I remember we had, like, we had Aladdin 3. We never really, I think we got oh. Return of Jafar on, like, 
alone from a family member back when I was a kid on VHS. And but I never liked that one. But I watched Aladdin three, and then Lion mm-hmm. King two whenever that came out. And that's those are really the only Disney animated sequels that I remember watching. So I I missed this one completely. Yeah, I I for sure I think the Aladdin movies, the Aladdin sequels, I know for sure that I watched those as a kid and I remember enjoying them as a kid. I feel like I must have seen this at some point, but Maybe I just on I, like a, I don't on TV or something like because I know that, when I was yeah. when I was a kid, we didn't we had YTV and we had Teletoon, but I don't think we ever had the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was on the Disney Channel and I just never caught it. I don't know. I I'm not sure if this was maybe like a a grandma grandma's basement movie, which ah. is just grandma. My my grandma had her own collection of VHS tapes that she would buy for us kids, all the grandkids. And so I don't know if this is because this I definitely don't think my family owned it, but maybe grandma picked this up and maybe it was just one of those like I only got to see it at grandma's house. So I didn't see it that often. And I'm just I don't remember. Yeah, that I watched it. Yeah, that could be. But yeah, no, it's this is this was as far as I can recall the first time I've <laughs> seen this one. Yeah. And boy, howdy. <laughs> this one, uh, to give a, a bit more history here. So this is this is the third Disney sequel to come out during the 90s. So it, it came out following uh, The Return of Jafar and Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Yeah. Uh, this one is a mid-quill. So this will take Ugh. place during the events of the first film. Somehow, and, uh, I guess, kind of. Yeah, I guess they'll shoehorn it in some way. Um, but the uh, the animation for this was produced by Canadian animators working in Toronto and Vancouver. And uh, there was additional animation done by the Walt Disney Television Animation Division and Wang Film Productions. Once again, like, the animation is not to the quality of the of the original movie, but it was also probably not, doesn't have yeah. the time, doesn't have the money. Uh, all the usual suspects for yeah. something like this, where it's like, if if they had had the time and budget, mm-hmm. I'm sure it would look better, but you know, it is what it is. It's, it's funny because with the Disney sequels, if they wanted to, they could have had the time and oh. money. Yeah. Yeah, they coulda. It's it's just somebody somewhere was like, okay, we want to make a sequel to Beauty and the Beast, but don't really want to put as much money or effort into it as we did the first one. So, uh, yeah. See what you could do. Yep. With less. Yep. Ugh. So, yeah. As always, with our usual disclaimers, mm-hmm. this is not... This- None of this is to dunk on the people who worked on it visually. Yeah. Even, you know, even, like, I, I'm i gonna fucking rip in to some of the writing and the story choices, but you know what? I'm sure that the writers who worked on this probably 
probably know the flaws in the story and oh, it yeah. was like you know what it is what it is it is what it is it but is. that said yeah this movie's fucking terrible it's not good it's just this <laughs> it's not good i but. it's so baffling sorry anyway so beyond that <laughs> continue continuing oh it's just uh I, I guess the last bit of history to share is just that this film features the majority of the original cast, including Paige O'Hara as Belle and Robbie Benson as the Beast. And it also features the voice talents of Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> and, and Tim Curry. Yeah! You know, I just, <laughs> where to begin with all the roles that Tim Curry has played? If you know, if you have heard of Tim Curry, you you yeah. know what Tim Curry's deal is. Tim Curry being his true self here. His Tim Curryist. Oh, it's wonderful. The savings grace of this film oh. is getting getting to listen to Tim Curry. It's so uh, oh my god. But uh, should we get into the plot summary here, Bree? Yeah, you want to take us away on the. On this magical adventure for this enchanted Christmas, Christy? Yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's get in here with Whoa. the plot summary for Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas. Our movie begins with a prologue set after the events of the original film, where everyone has gathered at the castle to celebrate Christmas for the first time since the enchantment was broken. A disagreement erupts between Lumiere and Cogsworth, as both men individually claim that last year, they saved Christmas. At Chip's urging, Mrs. Potts sits down to tell the story of what really happened last year. We flash back to when the Beast was still enspelled, shortly after the Beast rescued Belle from the wolves. It is the day before Christmas, and Belle goes off to do a bit of ice skating on the castle grounds. While outside, she runs into the Beast, who she convinces to join her. While they are skating, we are introduced to the ominous Maestro Forte, the castle's court composer who, like the other servants in the castle, was transformed thanks to the Enchantress's spell. Forte has become an immovable pipe organ so large and loud that he could shatter the windows of the castle with his music. While the other castle residents long for the spell to be broken so that they could return to human form, Forte does not. Forte wants to keep the beast sad and depressed, as it makes the beast rely on him for his music and for comfort. But now the master needs my melodies to feed his tormented soul. I am his confidant and his best friend. And I won't let some peasant girl ruin it for me! Forte orders Fife, a court musician who was transformed into a piccolo, to break up Belle and the Beast. Fife ends up sending Belle and the Beast crashing into a snowbank, which causes the Beast to storm off in a huff. While complaining to Chip about the Beast's behavior, Belle finds out that the young cup has no idea what Christmas is about, as the Beast has forbidden Christmas being celebrated in the castle. After explaining the concept of trees, decorations, and gift-giving to Chip, Belle resolves to give the Beast a present, a homemade book that she writes for him then and there. Belle also resolves to bring Christmas to the castle. 
Fife reports back Belle's activities to Forte, who in turn reports them to the Beast. At this point, we find out why the Beast hates Christmas so much. Christmas Eve is the anniversary of the night he was cursed into the form of a beast. The Beast angrily confronts Belle and repeats his demands that celebrating Christmas in the castle is forbidden, leading Belle to decide that they'll celebrate Christmas with or without him. Belle and Chip decide to go find a Christmas tree, but before they do, Belle secretly leaves her present for the Beast in his chambers. Beast finds the gift, but is forbidden from opening it by Lumiere since it's not yet Christmas. Regardless, the Beast decides to give Belle a gift in return, so he asks Forte to compose a song for Belle. Forte is furious, thinking that Belle's positivity will pull the Beast away from him. He plays beautiful music to lure Belle to his chambers, and when she arrives, he fakes interest in her Christmas plan. Hearing her issues about finding a tree, Forte encourages Belle to go off the castle grounds to find a suitable Christmas tree. Belle doesn't want to disobey the Beast, but Forte convinces her to do so by claiming that the tree was the Beast's favorite part of Christmas. Please, Belle, please! It looks dangerous. No, mademoiselle, you are in more danger in this very room, I assure you. All right. Yes! We'll take Philippe. If we hurry, we can be back by nightfall. Belle leaves, and Forte orders Fife to follow Belle and ensure that she doesn't come back. Belle and Chip take a horse and sleigh into the forest, but their disappearance does not go unnoticed for long. Eventually, the Beast uses the magic mirror to see that Belle has left the castle grounds. Forte tries to convince the Beast that Belle has abandoned him, and that the Beast should give up on trying to find love. The Beast, in a fury, destroys what Christmas decorations have already been set up, and goes to find Belle. In the meantime, Belle and Chip have finally found a perfect Christmas tree. They begin their return to the castle, making their way across a frozen river. Unfortunately, Fife accidentally spooks Belle's horse, and the commotion causes the ice to shatter. Belle falls into the icy river and begins to drown, but thankfully the Beast arrives and manages to save her. The Beast takes Belle to the castle and locks her up in the dungeon, believing that Belle was trying to escape. The castle servants visit Belle in the dungeon, hoping to cheer her up. Fife is there as well, genuinely regretful over all the trouble he caused while he was working for Forte. Speaking of which, in the West Wing, Forte tries to convince the Beast to destroy the Enchanted Rose, believing that it would forever stop the Beast from trying to seek a cure. The Beast nearly does so, but he stops when he remembers Belle's gift to him. He opens it and begins reading the story that Belle wrote to him, a story with the main message being the importance of hope. Hope. No, master! Come back! She'll only prolong your torment! The Beast has a sudden change of heart, and goes to the dungeon to apologize to Belle for his behavior. She accepts his apology, and the Beast announces that Christmas is no longer forbidden in the castle. Forte, sensing his omen pending obsolescence, decides to take dramatic action. He begins playing so loud that the castle begins to crumble around him. Belle, the Beast, and Fife rush to the West Wing to confront Forte. Fife instructs the Beast to destroy Forte's keyboard, and he does so, which leaves Forte voiceless and powerless. Forte crumbles and presumably dies. 
With Forte gone, the castle is free to celebrate Christmas in earnest. At this point, we return back to the present, where Mrs. Potts concludes her story by announcing that it was Belle who truly saved Christmas. Belle and the prince enter, and the prince requests that the new maestro, the human fife, lead the orchestra for the gathered crowd. The film then ends with the prince giving Belle her Christmas present, a single red rose. Thing. <laughs> you I so I have to share this right away is that I I sometimes struggle with these summaries because I'm very much a person I love detail I love capturing all yes. that nonsense in there and I usually have to do a few passes to whittle down the summary to a, a decent enough length where you can understand the movie uh-huh. but I you know I'm not you're not worrying about all that extraneous detail this summary <laughs> came together so fast. <laughs> it was I I basically wrote it and it was like, oh okay. Like I, I, I maybe had to cut like one or two sentences. That was it. Oh. Like this movie is just nothing. I I, just nothing. It's just again, it's shallow and there is just you go from A to B to C. And you're just proceeding in this very matter of factual way that there's not any nuance to it that you have to capture. It's, no. you know. No. Uh, it's, yeah, it's. And, and that's sort of, a, a, it's a thing I always sort of wonder about with like mid calls. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you can't have high stakes. No. Because you already know how it ends. Because you've already watched the movie. Yeah. And this is just like a little fill-in of stuff that didn't ultimately matter enough to be in the main movie. Yeah, and that's, you know... I I find midquels hard to discuss because there are certain plot points that you're like... You know, if, if this... I obviously when the filmmakers made the original Beauty and the Beast, they did not they didn't have this fucking idea of <laughs> oh, the, beast, no? the beast and Belle celebrate Christmas together in that no, that was not anywhere <laughs> on their radar. And so for them to shoehorn that in, well, it just makes it just feels so weird when you think of this film in the context of the original f- movie. Yeah, like like w- one thing that stood out to me again it, it, when you're thinking of it in terms of context of the original film. Um, what what's going on with Maurice during all this? Oh, well, you dad. know, uh, he's at home. He's just chilling. Well, actually, so <laughs> <laughs> so of course. Okay, so let me take you through. Through through this, yeah. Um, I guess it's been it's been a hot minute since I've actually watched the original Beauty and the Beast. So please, yeah, remind me. Okay, so at first I was thinking, you know, uh, Maurice again. Maurice is Belle's dad, and my first thought was, man, this film, this is kind of awkward that Belle is spending 
her first Christmas away from Maurice, and it never comes up once in conversation. You know, like, that's that's already kind of weird. Uh, but then I realized it's even worse than that. Because <laughs> while the events of this film are going on, Maurice is not just sitting at home missing Belle. Because in the original film, we see that he is actively wandering the wilderness trying to find her. Oh, no. Uh, because if you if you remember, so in the first film, Maurice tries and fails to rally Gaston and the other villagers to go save Belle. Yeah, when and Maurice they... comes in raving. Yeah, this <laughs> is raving old man. Um, <laughs> cue the glow sticks. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, Maurice gets the brush off, and he decides to set off by himself to go search the woods to try and find Belle and the castle, and. Eventually, the beast lets Belle go after she uses the magic mirror to see Maurice collapse in the snow. So she she leaves to go nurse him back to health. Right. So it's just, it's a weird thing to think about during this, this film. That while Belle is off having her Christmas adventure, not a care in the world other than, I have to make the beast love Christmas again. Ugh. Her dad is off getting lost in a forest almost to the point of death. Well, and that's the problem with with this midquel cuz it's like I I guess I mean that part of the movie is set in winter cuz Maurice goes out in the snowstorm and gets all fucked mm -hmm. up. But like we don't know how many days pass cuz it feels like a pretty brisk pace in the original film. But I guess, I mean, you could make an art, like, it's been longer than we think it has. It's, so maybe he kinda... hasn't gone out and tried to, because this is right yeah. after the wolf part, where he saves her from the wolves. Yeah. Which is before he goes to rally Gaston. So maybe that hasn't happened yet. Well, he, like, Maurice, pretty soon after getting... Uh, released by the beast and Belle right. taking his place. That that happened pretty soon after that he went to go get Gaston. Um, it's, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, like the original film, they are kind of quick with how things are laid out, but you can see the changing of the seasons where at the start of the film, it feels like it's fall or yeah. like late summer. Yeah. And, and then... We see the snow falls, so you see Belle and the Beast, they're playing in the snow together. Um, at the, t towards the end of the film, after Belle has been released by uh, the Beast and she brings her dad back home, uh, LeFou has actually been waiting at their house and he's actually, he's, he's hiding in a snowman or he's stuck in, in oh, a snowman. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could go report back to Gaston that <laughs> Belle is back. Um, so it seems like Belle was there for, I would assume, like, a couple of months? Um, they do, I, I should point out, they do kind of cheat at, in, in the original film, because while you see Gaston is rallying the mob, you can see snow in the backgrounds, but as they get closer and closer to the castle... The, the level of snow kind of drops off. And then, of course, when they're at the castle, you have that fantastic moodiness of how it starts to rain and, and Gaston oh, and, and the yes. Beast 
are fighting in the rain, which if this was like the dead of winter, probably, you know. That'd be really rough. That'd be some freezing rain. That would suck. Yeah, yeah. So it does, I don't think they, I don't think they really nailed down a specific timeline other than there's just this general progression that she was there for like, again, a good few months and then there's also that artistic liberty of like, you know what? It like it looks fucking cool to see them fight in the rain. So yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> that might not really be an indication of the weather. It's just like yeah. this looks fucking sweet. Let's it, do it. This looks this looks cool and and scary. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it yeah. does. So yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it's weird. But in any case, it's in it's any a case. weird it's a weird thing to add a midquel in this sort of way. Is yeah. I think the how it boils down is it's just like it's bizarre to try and shoehorn something like this in. Another another like thing, like that that the midquel thing doesn't really work for, is the final confrontation with Forte. Kind of jumping ahead <laughs> to the uh-huh. end here, but the ending to this film comes way too fast and it doesn't it just doesn't feel like it amounts to anything where so forte starts to collapse the castle and he starts to do that and then it's like two minutes later they defeat him yeah and i feel like this is maybe a limitation of both the story and possibly the budget like you know they probably didn't have the ability to do a big action scene where like Bell and the Beast are having to make their way through the castle as it gets crumbling. Oh, as it's crumbling. crumbling. Yeah, that'd be really yeah. cool if you could see, like, any part of the castle that's, like, falling apart. But then again, you don't want to show too much of that because that, sh- yeah. that castle is fine <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, exactly. It, that, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't flat out destroy chunks of the castle because then you'd have the you know question of well how did they fix it before Gaston and everybody else showed up? Yeah, it's ma- it's magic. It's magic. Don't worry. It's, about yeah, it. I guess. But as a result, it just feels like Forte is defeated way too easily. Like they just like they just go up to his room and then the beast rips well, him I mean, apart. I mean, he is ju- at the end of the day, that man is just a a pipe organ bolted to the wall. So it's but like, it's had... really not that hard to defeat. It's not like he's got a mobility. He... <laughs> he's very loud. That's pretty it's much wo- it. it. That is wonderful. He's loud and he apparently um, can have like magic chair Oh babies. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's shown in his song sequence. And I guess when they come up to like destroy him, I guess mm-hmm. a little bit, it's shown that he's got like, weird magic green sparklies that he can summon he basically he it's like yeah conjured through his music he can make these apparitions appear yeah and and this was this is kind of confusing because i mean for like why why does forte get these additional magic powers like None of the other staff got magic powers along no. with their new forms. No. And it's, and it's second the power of music. I guess he's just that good. Um 
But also, these apparitions, they are tangible. Yeah, oh yeah, they can, like, affect the world around. Maybe yeah. it's, because you do see an image of Forte <laughs> before he gets turned into a pipe oh organ. Oh my god. <laughs> maybe he was, maybe before he was cursed by by the fairy, um, maybe he was also just an evil wizard, because that's what this man looks like. <laughs> he, I love, I wish, it's so, it's so oh. great. His I yeah that'll probably be that's got to go up on the Twitter because people have got to see this man. He's just yeah he belongs in the category of of transparently evil villains. Oh He's my just, god, it's wonderful and it almost acts as a re- as a reveal because we only see him in the flashback after we've already met him as a pipe organ. Yeah, <laughs> so that you just. You, you see you see the human the human prince and he and he tells yells at forte to play something and it's just this this man he cuts over to this uh, this man oh my <laughs> who god looks like who's just like everyone else in the castle looks like a normal human being and then there's forte who yeah. is just horrifying <laughs> Forte is the one guy that, for some reason, he's the one person that is actually dressed in period-appropriate clothing. Yeah, he's, he is the one that's looking like French aristocracy yeah, of the even time more period. So, even more so than the prince, who's yeah. just hanging out in, like, a shirt and pair of pants. Forte even has, like, the powdered wig, which oh. I don't know if that was maybe, like, meant to... Like, the curls in the wig were meant to refer to, like, the pipe organ. I guess, because I feel like they designed the pipe organ first, and then they were like, okay, how are we going to translate the pipe organ into a man? And went from there. Absolutely, yeah. That's what it feels like. I don't know if that's what they did, but that's what it feels like. Because, like, (laughs) the pipe organ is terrifying looking in his own special way. But he looks like it's like yeah okay that looks like a pipe organ. He looks, looks rad. He he's he, I like him. <laughs> yeah, but then that could just be like a Tim Curry bias. Yeah, it, it's he's <laughs> just magnetic in any role he plays. Oh, it, like the weird the one weird part is that there's like there's there ain't no eyeballs in the eye sockets of this no. pipe organ face, which is weird. Yeah, I, I, he he's just this like soulless. Black, black eyes, like just terrified. Yeah, and he's he is CGI compared yeah. to the rest of the of everything, which is like hand drawn. But this pipe organ is a big CGI pipe organ, and he just sort of like he's got this sort of rubberiness to all the pipes, which is very fun. <laughs> so. They they do. He's kind of um like his face is sort of like the old like the opera the opera mask. Oh yeah 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 masks. yes, that is totally what what is probably based on. That so makes they, sense. They're very expressive. So he he is delightful to watch. As yeah. as I said, he's kind of like the saving grace of this film. Um, he's just he's so ridiculous that I can't not love him. He's just absolutely over the top and absurd. His his motivation is that he has an unhealthy relationship with, with the beast. He thinks yeah. of himself as the beast's best friend and confidant, 
And and it's all because, which is great, because the the whole reason for that is because Forte loves depressing music. That's his. That's his favorite. He loves. That's his forte. That's. Oh my god. (laughs) It's but it's his. That's his jam, and and so. Forte would rather see the beast remain depressed forever because that way he will always be able just to play his sad, depressing music for the beast. Yeah. And the beast will never want to leave him. Oh my god. It's so... And so he's like, he's actively throughout the movie, like he's the one, he's trying to sabotage Belle and the beast falling in love. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) at the very end when he's, when he's like, bringing the castle down with his music he yells they can't fall in love if they're dead (laughs) it's like i mean he's got a point if i can't have him no one will like this this is like this yandere pipe organ like oh my god it's great he has he has without a doubt he has the best song in the film um oh because Any, it is anytime all... you get to hear Tim Curry flex those uh those, those pipes, pipes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yes it's just his entire song is just Forte sings to the beast about how love just love fucking sucks don't do it don't fall in love if you must love someone may I suggest you love yourself just think it through You'll never leave and you'll find you'll get more rest. You'll always feel as good as you. Your freedom is the most important thing. It's better to be alone. (laughs) Don't even get a pet because pets suck too. Yeah, he's like, any kind of love is bad. Yeah. Emotions are lame. You're you're becoming alcoholic. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Love fucking sucks. (laughs) At one point in the song, he's like, if you're turned on, just turn off. And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sir <laughs> why does he why does he get away with those lines why is this a tim curry thing <laughs> for say no not november is over my guy let him live just he can't he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have oh god this is this is a tangent but in in fern gully <laughs> when, <laughs> tim curry voices hexus he has a song beneath me, me. Slime up above. <laughs> and there's there's a line in that song where he sings about how it's a special kind of horny. <laughs> how does he get away with these lines? <laughs> oh my god. Tim Curry looking at his contract like I need at least one line. Yeah. Listen. This listen. I'm Tim Curry. This needs like ninety percent more <laughs> sex appeal. This needs to be. You need to double the horny, or I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh. It's just wonderful, and that that whole th- yeah again we we kind of mentioned the visuals earlier, but that whole song, he's just using his magic powers. To make these little these little green cherubs fly around and just torment the beast. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's just amazing. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, the, this this movie's not good, but Tim Curry is a shining star. Yeah, just absolutely 
absurd. <laughs> a joy whenever his character is on screen. There's one... What is it? There's like... Because he's got his songs, but then at one point, I think it's... <gasps> yeah, when ben, when the Beast is like waiting for yes. Belle because he's making... um he's He's having a little he's trying to have a little christmas thing with her and she's gone off to get the tree so he's just waiting for her and he's like forte sing the song and it's just unenthused tim curry singing deck the halls in the background he's like Ugh. you're not singing deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 Louder! Tis the season. So fucking so good. He fucking hates everything. He hates it. It's so funny. Oh my god. So good. It's kind of, it's weird to think uh, at the end of the first film when everybody turns back to a human. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Yeah! You know, do they... Just the corpse in the room. It probably has mangled corpse because the beast had to rip off the the keyboard. Oh my god. (laughs) They just, they're like all happy and smiles and they go back into the room and there's just this like mangled man torn in half oh my god (laughs) jesus christ god (laughs) damn can we on on the subject of of the characters new to this film uh we should probably mention angelique oh yeah yeah (laughs) she she's um, in this film yeah so there's there's a character named angelique um and I wrote her completely out of the summary because yeah. she, well, she, <laughs> she doesn't do anything. Even, she doesn't do anything. D- d- does not matter. Um, but basically, Belle and Lumiere go to this forgotten tower in the castle where all the Christmas decorations have been stored. <laughs> and there we meet Angelique, and she is the castle decorator who has been turned into a Christmas tree topper. And so Angelique herself refuses to assist with all the Christmas stuff. She believes it to be a lost cause and so the other servants and bell begin decorating the castle and so for the majority of the film we only see glimpses of angelique where she is just making these little passive aggressive comments about how the other characters are decorating and how it's all hopeless and that they shouldn't bother um yep and that's that you know that's it that's, that's it. her, her character a shame because she's really cute i like her design she's just yeah she's just cute i like her she's cute she's voiced by bernadette peters who is like a broadway superstar she fantastic voice i'm glad they at least give her a bit of a song moment oh yeah Um, yeah yeah after bell is locked in the dungeon uh, Angelique speaks up, uh, you know, because Bell Bell's all, uh, Bell starts talking about how bringing Christmas to the castle really was hopeless. But Angelique speaks up and tells Bell that no, you were right. You can't destroy Christmas. And they have a little, they have a little reprise yeah. of of the song from earlier in the film. And it's like, 
I guess that's nice that you have that moment, but... Surprising they... that you didn't give her a whole song. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, a bigger part in the film? Well, it's just it just feels like she, her character amounts to so little that I feel like they could have easily written it so that like one of the existing characters was the one in charge of decorating and just you know yeah. just write Angelique completely out of the film or or I, just not have a character for that like it's I feel like yeah. they they put her in there because they were like we should have a Christmas themed character for the Christmas movie yeah it just. I don't get it. It just... I, I no idea. But I, I wish they had used her more because she's very cute and I would have liked to see her in more of the film. I... I honestly, I kind of wish instead of her, I, I kind of wish that they had Cogsworth being the one who was in charge of decorating. Um, because he's just... He's kind of already portrayed as a bit of a grump. And, and he's already, he's the head of staff at the castle. So yeah. why not just have it be him that he's the one that he's trying to tell everybody, you know, like, you can't do that. We're not doing Christmas. But maybe he secretly loves Christmas. And it's just that he, you know, like, maybe he too, like, he also has, he's depressed about what Christmas has become at the castle. And he also has to come around to the magic of Christmas. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah, but but they needed to have uh, they needed to have Cogsworth free for for hijinks. So yeah, L Lumiere needed to to use him as a a, ski a skateboard, skiboard, snowboard, snowboard, <laughs> a skiboard, a skiboard. You know, yeah, when you go skiing on a board, it's a skiboard. I wonder how many times that's going to come up in the films that we watch, where where there's like unconventional uh, uh snowboarding has it come up we because we had the swan in... princess one wasn't it yeah so swan princess derek uh was snowboarding right there there was like a brief instance in the nuttiest nutcracker where they were snowboarding down down a hill was there i that movie is gone yeah you've already repressed it it's it was yeah gone it was during the the uh, the gospel song. Sure, just like a quick thing, not like a big deal. But then in this film, Lumiere and Cogsworth try and go after Belle, who's gone off to go get the tree, and Lumiere decides to use Cogsworth as a snowboard so that they could catch up with Belle because thankfully they were they were downhill, constantly downhill. Oh yeah, of course. It's, I, uh, yeah. That that probably could have killed Cogsworth, by the way. I'm, the I'm surprised that these these objects they have been turned into are very durable. Yeah. Also, um, do they need to breathe or eat? I I guess. Because Chip almost drowned in the Trip frozen pond. Chip almost drowns in the frozen pond. And Cogsworth gets really fucking stoked at one point because they're like, we're going to do Christmas. And he's like, no. And they're like, we'll make Christmas pudding. And he's like, oh, fuck yeah, Christmas pudding. I'm like, do you eat? Do you have a <laughs> digestive system in there, Clockman? I guess. I I don't know what happens to it. 
if they it's consume. Magic. Don't worry about it. It's magic, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that they probably wrote that as a line in the, the live action remake of, of Beauty and the Beast. That was Ugh. completely necessary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not just a fucking... <laughs> I didn't see it, so I guess I have no idea. <sighs> that's, that's, a, that's a subject for another day. <laughs> we'll get to that one someday, too, probably. Uh, yeah. Oh, probably, yeah. But, um... Yeah, I guess Chip, I, I, I guess they, they do have to breathe because it was a big deal that Chip was uh, s- stuck in the water to the point that Belle had to risk her own life to save him. <laughs> oh, so, oh my god, that whole sequence where they're like, if you need to find a tree, there's no trees on the property. Well, there's a bunch of trees in the black forest. <gasps> and she's like, I promised I wouldn't go there, but beyond that, Belle, last time you went in there, you remember what happened? You yeah. got attacked by fucking wolves. And based on what Mrs. Potts said in the beginning of this film, that only took that took place pretty shortly yeah, before not that long the ago. Of this movie. Yeah, you'd think that would be her main fucking concern. Yeah. <laughs> Like, maybe you should worry less, of, like, because they even, and they even at one point while they're going through the woods, show wolves tracking them. Yeah. And it's like, that am- amounts to nothing. Because, fuck that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But they do show the wolves, and it's like, girl, you know the wolves are out there. <laughs> yeah, like, this did not end well the first time. Why are you trying this again? Why are you doing this again, Belle? You you know what's funny is that when I was uh looking through trying to confirm the stuff about Maurice uh that we talked about earlier and like whether or not it was winter during the end of the first film uh huh I I could see screenshots that very clearly showed there were a lot of fucking evergreen trees at on the castle grounds in the first film <laughs> but you know of course you that's- don't say. You gotta you, everybody ignore that. Those don't those don't exist. No, that's no. Even when she's going through the 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 black forest, yeah, like you can see from a distance when they have like the matte paintings in the back of the uh, <laughs> of the shots when she's at the castle and uh, <laughs> and Forte's like you could always go in the forest to get a tree. And you see, like, in the background, they've painted all these evergreens and all these pine trees. And then when she's in it, it's it's literally just bare deciduous trees. And they have to go super far in to get to any of the the yeah. pines. And you're like, hold on. Where'd, yeah, all, where'd those go? Yeah. Why didn't you just go to literally just the edge of the, of the forest, yeah. chop one down, and then come back? I'm, I'm bamboozled. But I well, guess you know that's giving it too much credit. And and you know what? To, I her her whole plan to get that fucking tree back. I so okay. So I've I don't have much experience with getting real Christmas trees. My family has only done it once in our like entire you know history. Yeah. Um. But like, I had a few problems. Yeah. With a woman and a cup going. <laughs> To get the most gigantic fucking, like, 20-foot-tall tree. Um, 
chopping it down and then she just like she attaches it to the carriage with a, a, a single horse and they just got a rope from the carriage to the tree. She was going to drag this fucking tree back to the castle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think that that, that would work out. No. I even That was, if, that was if, sort of, I was also baffled at that. Because I was like, how are they going to get this tree back? Yeah. Oh, I guess they'll just tie it to the sleigh? Tie I guess. To, I just, I wish that they, I wish that the the, the river didn't, didn't shatter and that they got back to the castle and they tried to hoist the tree up and like one side of it was just stripped bare of needles <laughs> just, just absolutely just like a, fucked on one side yeah like, well i guess we'll per- turn this side to the corner we'll put this yeah. tree in the corner no one look at this side it's fine yeah it's fine we're not going out to get a fucking other tree yeah also when Belle has to like throw herself into the icy river to save chip like you you're dead you're dead at that point you don't survive that no and it's i i and it's just and again i guess chip has to breathe so i guess we should be worried about him but i i don't know maybe i'm just terrible person but when he when he fell in the water i was like okay (laughs) he's he's a cop there he goes yeah exactly and it's like i mean Maybe it's maybe it's not that he has to breathe. It's just they don't want him getting swept away in the current. Yeah, I get, maybe it'd be more a concern about him like slamming into a rock by the and river and shattering, and then I guess dying. Yeah, that was that was yeah that whole sequence. I I feel like you know thinking about it, maybe I must have seen this as a kid because I feel like there was a period of time where I was very convinced that I was gonna like fall through a frozen river oh oh no i don't know something about like ice like it's just, it's too spooky well it's it's i think that's a common thing that i remember seeing in a couple films when i was little because they always say like don't go on frozen lakes and rivers yeah i think i remember it best in balto oh yeah because you see him like he falls in the river once too. God, Baldo's a good movie. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I don't remember time. if it's a good movie, but in my heart, it's a good movie. I'm. <laughs> I, I. You know what I think it might be another another one with like a fucking terrifying ice breaking scene is the so it's the the short, uh, the Disney short Once Upon a Winter Time. I don't think I've seen that one. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> You, you, you probably have, it's just that it is, so it's originally from, uh, the Melody Time movie, but it, it, it was kind of like one of those ones that you would see every so often because it's like a, a good wintry Disney short ah. that they play, but it's just, it's, a uh, two, two, uh, like a boyfriend and a girlfriend, they go ice skating, um, but then she's, the, the girl is, is not a great ice skater and so they have a fight because he starts laughing at her because uh, she falls on her ass. Um, but then she ends up skating on thin ice and it just <gasps> all hell breaks loose because it's just like the ice starts immediately cracking apart and it's just like this epic, epic, like, the boy having to save her on his skates while she's, like, about to go over a waterfall oh, on, Jesus. on an ice floe. Oh, no. It has more action than the fucking climax of this goddamn movie. 
do do we is it time to get into do we want to talk about some of the bullshit of Belle and the Beast character in this? Oh, yeah, let's go. Because they're both written just so poorly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Okay, so here, here's my main thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the beast mostly in this. Okay, instance, yeah, just yeah, yeah. To start. Yeah, because I, I love the beast. Yeah, well, it's there's a lot to talk about with what they did to this poor beast. I, I love the beast. He's my boy, and it bothers me so fucking much to see him in this movie. Um, so first off, for context, again, this film immediately takes place. After the Beast saved Belle from the wolves in the first film, which, for those of you that don't remember, that scenario came about because Belle ran away from the castle uh, because the Beast caught her in the West Wing about to to touch the Enchanted Rose. And so he he flipped out because, you know, if you mess up the Enchanted Rose, you can't break the spell. So he, he got angry, he yelled at her, and he scared her so much that Belle went, fuck that. I don't care what agreement I made with this beast. I am not staying here if he's going to threaten me like that or act yeah. like that. So, yeah. so Belle left. She got in trouble in the forest with the wolves. And the beast saved the day. And in turn, Belle helps the beast out because he got injured during the fight. And it leads to this wonderful moment where they're back at the castle and Belle's tending to the beast's wound. And... It's wonderful because they are now on equal footing. They they ha- t- end up talking things out, and this is the most important bit. From that point onwards in the original film, the Beast never yells at Belle again. He has his dick moment, he, he snapped at her, he got called out for it, and he spends the rest of the film making it up to Belle, and proving that he does have a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, that's sort yeah. of, that's the kind of turning moment where Belle finally is like, hey, look, I, w- I would not have run away if you weren't such a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. And he specifically, there's, it's beautifully animated, is that he's about to, like, be like, uh, like he's trying to, he wants to counter the argument. But he fucking has none, so he he stops himself. And it's just, it's, you know, it's kind of played for humor because he makes like a silly, kind of like a funny face during it. Yeah. But it's very sincere that it's just, he has no response. And I think it is just like very much a, oh shit, she has a point. Yeah. And I need to be a better person. And he is a better person from then on out. Except so for th- in this midquill, where he's yeah. an asshole child for the entire that's, thing. That's the thing, is that this movie, this movie takes that moment and shows us that actually the Beast continued to be a huge asshole to Dick, to, to, to be a huge asshole to Belle, and she just accepts it. She's with like, this- oh, I just want to make you happy. I just want to, I just yeah. want to. Make you just, smile. It's like that's not what Belle did in the movie at all. No, no. she was like, "Fuck you, yeah, <laughs> stop being an asshole." Belle was not there to. She did not go into 
the, the, the beast castle with the idea of I can change him. I have to reach him. Yeah. I have to show him love and then he'll be, he'll, Ugh. he'll, once he sees somebody, you know, he just needs kindness. No, fuck that. <laughs> Belle went to that castle to save her dad. Yeah. And, and the whole, the relationship with the beast just came about naturally after the beast stopped being a fucking asshole. Yeah, it's... That's that's when you get, there must be something there that wasn't there before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where Belle herself, she has that moment, and it's, again, it's beautiful. Where Belle herself is, like, confused about the feeling she's feeling. Because this is, like, she it's unexpected. And she's like, what, you know, what am I feeling? Like, what is this? Is this- uh, is he, am I just, is this, is he being cool? Like, is he, like, not the monster I thought he, like, that he was acting like, basically? Like, yeah, he's really starting to put an effort in because he realizes that he's been a huge asshole. Yeah, and he and he needs to change. And it's just... <sighs> yeah yeah and then this this movie takes both of them and is like what if the beast yeah. was a petulant s- child who goes mm-hmm. wishes are stupid <laughs> and bell is i can fix him yeah bell just puts up with it and again she would not do that she did not do that in the original film both of their characters are terrible yeah, it, they Every- they do a huge disservice to these two characters. It sucks. Yeah. And, like, the other servants, they don't get it as bad, but, like, because they're kind of rallying around Belle and, I don't know, it be- like, it just comes across as weird that they're so supportive of the Beast when he continues to be a dick and they're still yeah. they're trying to, like, push him and Belle together they come across as kind of weird. Um, I think that's why, like, Forte is, is another reason why Forte's the best character. Is because, <laughs> although Forte is also ridiculous and has the weirdest motivations, at least it's, like, I don't know, it's, it's done in an amusing way. And he's also, like, we didn't have Forte in the original film, so we didn't fall in love with his character acting a certain way. Yeah, there so was nothing he... there was nothing to be to be ruined in his character because his character yeah. didn't exist before. Yeah. So it's just like, you know what, Forte just wants to live his best life uh trying to messily break up the beast and Belle's relationship. You yeah. know what? You 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 live your heart's desire. You shine on, you crazy diamond. <laughs> Yeah. The scene in the boiler room, I think, kind of, that's a good, that's that's a good uh, encapsulation of Belle and the Beast's relationship in this movie. Um, So the the Belle Belle goes down to the boiler room because she wants to find a Yule log. And (laughs) while she's down there, the Beast arrives to confront her over the Christmas stuff. And so Belle shows him the Yule log and she explains that you're supposed to make a wish on it and then you burn it on Christmas morning. And so Beast says that that's stupid 
and he really rubs it into Belle by saying, you made a Christmas wish last year, is this what you wished for? Referring to her being stuck in the castle. Yeah. And <laughs> Belle, Belle calls him selfish, and Beast goes on a little rant, which is just, it's just ridiculous for how stupid it makes him look. How can you be so selfish? Cannot possibly understand. You have no idea what it's like to lose everything, to be trapped in your own castle, to be a, uh, a prisoner. Yeah, not not even a sniff of self-awareness. Yeah, and it's just it's just it's stupid because this sentence. This comes immediately after taking that snipe at Belle, referencing how she's now his prisoner and how miserable she must be. Yeah. And now, <laughs> now he's telling, now he's trying to say that she can't possibly understand what it's like to be a prisoner. Ugh. It's just, it's, it's stupid. Man. It's just, in the span of 20 seconds, the beast both is and isn't cognizant of how Belle must be feeling. It's bad writing. And yet it makes the be the beast look like a big, mean, stupid idiot. Yeah. Just a child, basically. Yeah. And then, and then of <sighs> course, Belle, Belle's response to this is, is she, she basically goes, well, that's too bad. And I'm just going to do Christmas anyways. And she, she kind of acts like she's going to take a stand. But then as soon as she walks away, she has this little moment where she has to look back and look longingly at the beast. And she gets this very... <sighs> sympathetic look on her face like oh how can i reach him like yo Ugh. fuck that yeah just go do your own thing go have a yeah. nice christmas with everyone upstairs bell would say tough shit i'm going to do christmas even if i have to hold christmas in my room and that's it yeah Everyone's invited to, to my room of the castle that you have said is mine, and I'm going to do with it as I please. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I, I kind of feel too, like, Belle probably, Belle in the first room, when they were looking for trees, Belle probably would have accepted that little Charlie Brown tree that they, that they first found. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, not... they're going through, they, they show them going through the, the castle grounds and finding a bunch of, like, just little twinkly little Charlie Brown trees. Mm -hmm. um, and then Chip's like, no, this sucks. And they keep, maybe that's why they had to go so far into the trees. Because this little little brat teacup <laughs> was like, no, I need the best tree. Chip's a little shit. <laughs> God damn it. Chip, you're, Chip, you're going to get me eaten by fucking wolves, you little, you little turd. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk ass little teacup. <laughs> oh god oh do we do we want to talk about the songs more sure which one are you thinking of i i mostly so okay so generally speaking none of the songs are worth the screen time um no maybe forte song but again yes. that's just yeah because... okay yeah hang on yeah Fortes. Yeah. Anytime Fortes on screen is worth the time. Yeah, they should just they should just re-edit the movie so that it just cuts it down to just the moments that Forte is on screen. <laughs> but all of the songs are just 
they're not incorporated into the film. They stop and start in such an unnatural way. Oh, yeah. I should say, the timing of the songs is terrible, too. Like, that being the timing of where they pop up in the movie. Yeah. Um, The very last song of the film is a song that's sung between Lumiere and Cogsworth. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. That's like, it's so weird. It comes out of nowhere. I, I didn't even clock that that <laughs> clock. I didn't even clock that <laughs> that was the last song of the movie. Yeah. It's so it comes it, it, it again. It comes so close to the end of the film. It's extremely jarring. So Belle has been locked up in the dungeon and the rest of the castle household comes to cheer her up. And we have that reprise of the as long as there's Christmas song, which while I don't like that song, it at least fits the mood. And it serves a purpose in the plot as yeah. it's a means to restore hope to Belle. Um, the Cogsworth and Lumiere song, though, this song awkwardly takes place after we see the Beast reject Forte, but before he actually makes it to the dungeon to apologize to Belle. So at a point in the plot where we are anticipating Belle and the Beast making up, and we also know that Forte is just not going not gonna to accept defeat just like that, when that's happening, we get this random song where Lumiere yeah. and Hogsworth basically just start fighting over their egos. Yeah, it's so weird. And it's such, it's like, there's no reason for it to be there. I could see it have being closer to the beginning of the film where they're both trying to, like, take over decorations for Christmas. That would have been... Yeah. But I guess that would have then been... Maybe they put it near the end because they wanted to resolve the bit uh, at the very beginning, before the flashback, where it's like, both of them are like, I saved Christmas. No, I saved Christmas, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they were like, okay, this is the this is the payoff of that bit at the beginning of the movie. We need to shove it in the end here and done. I, that's I, all I can think of, is that they needed, they needed to, to solidify that arc. <laughs> yeah. And I, use, I like, use that very loosely. Yeah. The, yeah, it's just... I don't I don't understand it. It I, I almost wonder if it was just padding because I don't know, did they think that it was weird to have the beast reject Forte and then immediately show up in the dungeon? They were like, Oh, we gotta like we we gotta pad this out so that it doesn't just happen right away? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they could have had the reprisal song as he's walking back towards the the Oh yeah. The thing so it's like they're talking about how there's still hope and then he shows up <gasps> and, and he, he joins he joins in <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that but yeah sure yeah, yeah yeah he joins in actually i'm thinking about it i don't <sighs> okay maybe i don't know if that would have worked because <laughs> that might not have worked might, even might if he be heard weird. it yeah if he I heard guess it I was... and it like solidified in him like yeah okay i've been of an asshole mm -hmm. and no matter what i do like yeah i need to, i i need to change i need yeah of. it's it that that moment where if it doesn't happen after the wolf scene as it did <laughs> in the first film if we're pretending God. that that wasn't his moment of realization give him that moment here Ugh. 
I think I, I think I just really wanted, I, I was excited at the thought of the beast singing because I was thinking of that moment in, um, uh, there's something, the, something there, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. that where, where you hear Robbie Benson singing as the beast, but it's like, it's the first time that you hear him, just his human voice. And it's like this magical moment where he's singing in his head about, about how Belle didn't shudder when she touched his paw and it's wonderful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, I gotta watch the original movie again. I gotta, cause that's a good film. So fucking good. I, oh. <laughs> no, this can't be. I'll just ignore. But then there's something there that wasn't there before. He's yeah. so, he, he's, He's so excited that she didn't, she didn't recoil at his touch, but yet he also doesn't feel that it's possible that she could love him in return. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's a, oh, it's good. Oh, so fucking good. And Man. this one, it's, he reads a book and I guess he, that makes him accept Christmas. I, I guess. Bell writes him a book in the span of a song, and it's a th- it's it's a thick book. So it's she a must thick have, ass tome. Yeah, she must have like used a like just a very big pen, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> font possible. Yeah, just huge, and I don't know, just like a lot of filler or something, because that it was a thick book. She had yeah. to hand bind it herself, even. That's it's it's. Listen, Christy. Yeah. It's the magic of Christmas. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, she just drew a lot of pictures. Yeah. There were there were pictures in his book. I don't know if like I know that that's like very a nitpicky thing, but that book bugged me. <laughs> See, B- Bell Bell makes it Bell Bell makes this book during the duration of a song, so it's weird how I I I don't know how long she actually spent on it. This this entire movie takes place over the course of a day, FYI. Oh god. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's like very very, like compressed timeline. So she makes this big book, and at the end of the film, when the Beast reads it, it's just like so generic. Like, I don't understand how this is like the, this is what inspires the beast to be a better person. (sighs) I don't know. It's almost like this is a bad movie. It's almost like it's a bad (laughs) movie. (laughs) Terrible. It's almost like just watch the, the original Beauty and the Beast again. I feel like I might have to do that tonight just to yeah, just cleanse cleanse the palate. It's you know, it's funny because I like I I would always admit my affection for this movie and I for this but I movie? didn't or so, for sorry for the original film. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. Oh, I know I'm sorry. Sorry for that momentary heart attack I just gave you. Whew. Um but no, I I would always admit my affection for the the first film and but I, I would always hesitate to label it as my favorite Disney movie because I think I just don't like don't being so definitive about stuff like that. Sure, sure. But 
I think just the the amount of saltiness I feel <laughs> after watching this film. After wa- like... watching what they've done to your boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm now now I'm like I guess this is my favorite movie. I feel like I've I've watched uh, like Little Mermaid is up there as well. You know, obviously. Oh yeah. And I have watched The Little Mermaid 2, and I did not feel that level of of disappointed parent. I I don't think I've seen The Little Mermaid 2, so uh Oh, don't don't you worry. Oh. We will Uh-oh. be checking that out at some point. Oh yeah, I guess because I, I know it's about Ariel's daughter, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. a princess, isn't it? Yes, yeah, she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look forward to that sometime in the future. Oh boy. Whew. Speaking of sequels, uh, I got to share this tidbit with you because this is kind of interesting. But um, I apparently the original plan for this film was that it was going to be a direct sequel to the original movie. And the main villain was going to be Gaston's younger brother, who he apparently oh. had. Um, what? And and Gaston's younger brother was going to... He, he was out for revenge to avenge his, his big bro. What? And uh, apparently he was going to do so by using sorcery to transform the prince back into a beast and frame Belle for it. Because he, he wanted to try and ruin their lives. Oh. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Yeah. In the right hands, that could be a fun movie. That could be I, a fun little story, almost. I I feel like... Yeah, maybe. I... I don't... Maybe not the I'm framing Belle for it, but, like, having having Gaston's younger brother that he never mentioned before... Being like, listen, my brother was the big strong man. I'm the brains of the operation. I've always been smarter. I have learned sorcery because clearly magic is a thing that exists in this universe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Transformed this man into a beast and his people into kitchen utensils. (laughs) To have some kind of sorcerer antagonist. And that way you can have the beast back as a beast. And that's like a a way to get around having Beauty and the Beast and not, not have, have to have him be the prince. I do love human form. I, oh. I do love how it would be a very swan princess move where Oh shit, it, yeah it would <laughs> <laughs> the, how the, the early films how the early Swan Princess sequels kept oh. making reason to turn her back into a swan. Find some some reason. <laughs> it I'm oh. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on it. I I wouldn't mind. I don't. I, I guess that they couldn't have done any worse. I I mean than, yeah, like it, we're we're coming from a place of we just watched this one, so like anything probably sounds good. Yeah, they could have they could have done. Um, well, granted, you won't you won't know this because you haven't seen the Little Mermaid sequel, but in that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, I know. I I do know. I haven't seen it, but I do know it's Ursula's crazy sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've you've seen Sebastian yell about it. Um, but yes. Yeah, so Ursula's sister, um, who is also voiced by Pat Carroll, 
Um, oh, okay. I just so yeah. So you could have you could have done that, I guess, where you have it's Gaston's uh, Gaston's little brother, and he has the same voice as Gaston. Uh, well, like, and I haven't seen. I haven't seen The Little Mermaid 2, so I don't know how they handle uh, Ursula's sister. But, like, it can also be... There's always... Maybe I'm giving too much credit to, to like, Disney sequels. Because it's like, there's always the possibility of having it become, like, a story of, like, the the futility of revenge. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what the original film, there was that sort of partially, or I guess more so generally, just the futility of, of giving into your anger. Because there's, again, there's that wonderful moment at the end of the film <laughs> where the beast is like, he's ready to fucking throw Gaston off the castle. And then he like, he, he stops because he sees the fear in Gaston's eyes and him pleading for his life. And he's just like, I don't want to be that person. And he fucking sets him down. And it's beautiful. It's very good. It's very then, good is the thing. So to have like a, a a villain come back and be like, not realize that, that like, because it his brother was a huge a, jerk. Was the, the jerk and the, the monster in that situation trying to reconcile i don't know like oh yeah hmm. you could uh, like so could you're thinking make you're thinking make his younger brother more sympathetic maybe. yeah like like really be like oh i thought like i thought my brother was doing the right thing like he was helping the woman he loves who has been captured by this creature and then he was heartlessly murdered yeah like that could be interesting anyway yeah, we're talking what? about a, a <laughs> A movie that no, does not exist. That's I. You know what? That's a good point, though, because in the original film, the entire village is on Gaston's side, and we never really get to see that perspective of one of the villagers who fully bought Gaston's bullshit yeah. come to recognize that he, yeah, that Gaston was the monster. Yeah, it's just sort of they they get their asses kicked out of the castle. Yeah. Um, and then they all run back to the village, and there's no sort of end to that. It's over. No. And then everyone, apparently, after the events of that film, everyone just gets invited to, to the Prince and Belle's uh, Christmas party, and they just merrily show up <laughs> singing Deck the now. Halls. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. That must be real awkward when, like, the guests are milling about, and and... You could reckon like the peasants and the castle staff like recognize each other like oh yeah, you're that fucker who tried to f fucking burn me when I was a, a cabinet and a chair. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I don't know. That could be. Maybe that's already been written as like a YA novel somewhere. Maybe. Maybe is it too late to to do Beauty and the Beast three? <laughs> Christy. Yeah, it, it's too late. Oh, come on. No, come on. Paige, it's too late. Paige, Paige O'Hara is still voicing Belle. Really? In what? Yeah. In, uh, so she did, uh, she was Belle in the, the Wreck-It Ralph uh, sequel. Oh, I didn't see that. I should really see that. I liked Wreck-It Ralph. It was a fun film. 
I like the first one. I have oh, yet the second to see... one not as good. I have I have yet to see it. I don't know. I've oh, just okay. seen like I've seen clips of it, and I'm just not. I don't know. Yeah. I I need I I do need to give it a chance. Oh <laughs> oh yeah, maybe that's I've got a I've got a lineup of things to watch now. Maybe Wreck It Ralph two and Beauty and the Beast. That's the double feature that I'm gonna do. Maybe maybe save Beauty and the Beast for last because you know you love it so much. Yeah. So no oh. matter what happens, no matter how you feel about Wreck-It Ralph 2, you will at least be able to end your day with Beauty and the Beast. See, my problem is is that the last time that I watched a really good movie before bedtime, I got I was left too I was too enthralled. I was too excited. Ah. And then I I watched The Little Mermaid a few months ago after actually we covered the uh the uh, toy animation Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I rewatched the the Disney Little Mermaid and I was so I was just like wandering my house with so much energy because I was just like this is a good fucking movie. What do I do with this energy? I don't know. It's like eleven o'clock at night and I should be going to bed. But I'm I like fucking that- I can't. I like that you say it was a few months ago as though that wasn't in like January. Oh shut up. Can't believe we're at the end of the year. Oh my god, how dare you? How dare you? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. oh man. <sighs> Is there anything more we want to say about this one? I mean, not really. <laughs> we didn't really talk about the the Fife guy, but he's just oh, sort of like a henchman. Yeah, he's I mean, his whole deal is that um Forte is is kind of like teasing him with the the promise of I'll give you a solo if uh you do this stuff for me. So Fife is like he's just kind of like he's a good guy, but he just goes along with it because he's just like very desperate for that that shining moment. Um, but he does have a conscience, and when he knows that when he sees that the all of the bullshit that he's caused, he like he cuts off Forte immediately. Yeah. He's like, wait. No, this is the I'm doing a bad thing here. Yeah. I, I'm but, the bad guy. Oh yeah. heck. Oh, I'm the baddie. Yeah. Um He's yeah, he's he's a good character. He's definitely I like him a lot more than Angelique, that's for sure. Oh man. I still I just I wish they'd done anything with her. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I I was just like what haven't we talked about? Uh, I guess there's the henchman that is there. Yeah. And otherwise, yeah, I think I think we've hit everything. Awesome. I I mean I could probably rant about specifics more, but this this feels like a good place to end it. Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to be like just 3 hours. Yeah, it's just going to further devolve into me screaming about how good the first movie was. <laughs> oh. oh, but uh Yeah, I think that's going to be it for this one, you guys. So as I kind of mentioned earlier in the episode, this is going to be our last major uh, episode for the year. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening with us for yet another season. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we did it. It's another another year down. We did it. Another season. Yeah. It's wild. Um, 
I, I already have like a list of movies that I want to cover next year. Uh-huh. Um, mostly mostly ones that are like sequels to films that we uh we covered this previous season, so oh. I, I'm I'm chomping at the bit to do uh some of these movies, so Oh no. Stay tuned for that. Um I don't think we we don't really have a set date that we're gonna start putting out episodes next year. I think we're just gonna play it by ear, but uh, yeah, sometime in January, February, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll see you guys. See you guys in in twenty twenty two. Yeah, two 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 zero two 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 two. Early in the year. Hope all your all y'all's end of the year is lovely. Hmm hope everybody has a good month of december yeah whatever your december looks like in your family i hope it's a good one stay safe have a nice time hopefully get some time to relax Mm -hmm. go watch beauty and the beast watch beauty and the beast enjoy that don't watch beauty and the beast the enchanted christmas it sucks yeah don't if you do watch it, just fast forward to the Tim Curry parts. Yeah, just oh, just only look at the Tim Curry parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for joining us for for the 2021 season of the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. Yeah, thank you guys again. We we'll probably do another like retrospective episode, like what we did. Oh yeah, last year. But that's just going to be us gabbing about whatever bullshit we decide <laughs> whatever nonsense co- happens to come to mind yeah which you probably you got a sample of a few times in this episode <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah if you want to uh stay tuned on when we start posting again in the new year probably best place to do that is by following us on twitter um you could find us on twitter at bad princess mov and uh if you have an email you want to, to email send us? us. I thank yeah, you. I, can do thank it. you. You can do it. Email us at <laughs> badprincessmovies <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a catalog of all the <laughs> movies that we have and will profile on this podcast. You could find that at badprincessmovies.com. And have a good new year yeah we'll we'll see you in the little chat we have later this december and take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones thank you for joining us thank you thank you christy thank you (laughs) brie We maybe in twenty twenty, or maybe in twenty twenty two, we'll actually get better at these fucking outros. It can be our New Year's resolution. Yeah, learn how to end a podcast episode. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll have to tune in. Yeah, <laughs> tune in next year to see if we if we. Oh yeah, that'll get any better we'll, at this. Probably not. Oh my god, I I restarted playing the movie on silent while we were talking. I didn't even notice that Human Forte has fangs. That man's a vampire. And he, yeah, yeah, no, he's fucking terrified at his rotoscoped hands. Vampire. Yeah, he, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Ter- Thank terrified. You. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh,
talk to you later. Bye. Don't fall in love.